someone feels like you understand their problem to the point of being a mind reader, like, oh my gosh, I feel like you just read my diary, it doesn't really matter what container the solution comes in and sometimes what the price point is or how much access they do or don't get to you. It just matters that you get them and now they trust you mm -hmm. and they give you authority and now they want to know how to work together because you're going to help them get the unfulfilled desire. Hey, you're listening to The Shiro's Show, home to authentic conversations about business, marketing, and the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. I'm Kelsey, your host and founder of Shiro's. I'm a small town gal who left her job without a plan because I was unfulfilled and knew I was meant for more. With nothing more than a passion for social media marketing, I got gritty and built a successful and thriving business of my dreams. And now I'm going to teach you how to do the exact same thing with tried and trusted strategies that I've used to build my business. Think of this podcast as free business school where you can steal my MBA knowledge and get actual applicable business tips without the huge price tag. Each week, you'll learn from myself and trusted guest experts that will help you scale your business without sacrificing your life in the process. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine and let's get ready to dive in. Hello and welcome to the Shiro Show. I am so honored and excited to have with me today Shannon Matson. She is the founder of The Social Bungalow and Bungalow Coffee. She is an online business architect who has helped me through, I don't know, years, eons of growing my business. So I'm so excited to have her here today to share her knowledge and experience in building these badass companies. Yay. Thanks, Kels. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> All right. So um, your business has evolved a lot since entering into the online ether in like 2018, 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us about where you are now and what you're up to. Well, back then um, it was done for you marketing and then it transitioned into strategy coaching and now it's transitioned into kind of some of the same but shifting the containers to make more sense from a time for dollars perspective, being able to scale that help more people and not, um, you know, have to like ring up the Mayans and ask them to make more hours in the day. <laughs> there's only so much we can do. So now we're at this point where there's courses and then there's upgraded support and what have you, but I have a team around me and it's really made all the difference. I love that. Um, okay. So what has changed the most since the early days of when you started your business? Hmm, I would say speaking of team, like the solo journey of being by yourself, coming up with everything and, and wearing every hat, it's kind of this like beautiful time where you're game for it, you're good for mm -hmm. it because everything's so exciting and new and you're just constantly growing, like your bandwidth is going zero to 60. And then after a while, when you start to get burned out or these things are just regular and they're time intensive, getting support, be that outsourced, be that contractor seasonal or be that a full-time individual, is the difference between solopreneur and entrepreneur, but also the difference between like, I'm a freelancer who's just providing a service and I happen to do it on the internet to I'm a business owner or I'm a CEO and I have, you know, business ownership is not defined by having employees, but I do have more of a corporation happening here. And that mm -hmm. feels like insane. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy when you hire your first employee, like, it's like, oh my gosh, like I am responsible for making this person have dinner on their table. 
<laughs> the responsibility yeah, the is thing that I sell is my expertise. So I need to continually sharpen, refine, perform so that they can eat and pay their bills. This is really weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you manage like the stress of because I deal with this. Um, how do you manage handling the stress of like, oh my gosh, you know, we need to keep this boat chugging along in order for me to pay for these people's salaries? Because at the end of the day, like you are the face of the social bungalow. I am the face of Shiro's and a lot of other people who are building their brands are the face of their business, even if they have teams. So how do you deal with the stress of like, having to constantly perform? Mm -hmm. um, I would say systems are a huge help. So all of those tiny little things that get in the muck of the big project where you're like, oh snap, we're supposed to, after we post in the Facebook group, pin it and then edit the description, like 17 little things that can happen in mm -hmm. one task. Creating an SOP for it and then creating a reoccurring system or a reoccurring task, let's say in ClickUp, Asana, Trello, whatever your project manager is, that's automatically doing the remembering for you and your team members mm -hmm. is a mass, massive thing so that when the big stuff comes that you have to handle, that you have to come up with because you are the expert, you're the face, et cetera, you can lean into those pieces. And then that's going to be overwhelming and stressful. Yes. But <laughs> day at a time, kind of what I say, I'm like, I'll look at a big project, a huge amount of like, let's call it a module. And I have all this curriculum mm -hmm. to create, it's supposed to change people's lives and businesses. And then I sit there with this mountain in front of me, stressed out. And I just tell myself, I'm like day at a time, you've proven to yourself before that you'll get it done. So mm -hmm. just day at a time, make an outline, take a bite, take a bite, take a bite. And I think a lot of times what people try to do is the opposite. They try to systematize the big project because that's the thing that's staring them in the big, hairy, scary face but it's really getting all the little stuff taken care of. So the big stuff can be your rainmaker and just the, the thing that you really lean into as the CEO. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good because there's not, I mean, it's a project that you're slowly chipping away at and you can't necessarily systematize that except for, you know, like uploading the modules into Kajabi or, you know, all those things. So, okay. I love this question. What do you attribute your success to? Because you went from zero to a hundred and I know that you are just one of the hardest working people that I have ever had the pleasure to meet. So I would love to hear from you what you think has really gotten you to this point. Hmm. Well, thank you. Um, I'm joking, but I kind of want to say you giving me the tip to take two L-theanine and one GABA at night. <laughs> I was just like, what, what first came to mind? I was like, man, a good night's sleep. Like I am a different person on seven hours and I am on eight hours. And that has been, and this is not my, my final answer, but that has made such a huge difference in that part of my mind. And I was like, what's really helped yep. me get good night's sleep lately? And I'm like, when Kelsey gave me that tip, um, <laughs> I would say it, it does make a difference. I know it's it's like um, a dirty word now, like hustle and and all of that grind stuff. And I totally agree mm -hmm. because you know balance, and peace, and and mental health. But I would say to a point, grit and resilience they are such huge factors when it comes to entrepreneurship. Not everything can be so easy breezy all the time. There are seasons of harder work and digging into those harder work seasons and recognizing them and saying, all right, game face has mm -hmm. been something that's gotten me through just peaks and valleys of 
and I mean that in a good way, a valley being a time where it's just balancing the day-to-day, nurturing the audience, posting content, no big creation, no big selling, no big facilitating. And then these other instances where it's like, let's go. And I think we're in a space beautifully where the pendulum has swung to talk so much about mental health and and protecting Mm -hmm. ourselves, which is really, really, really great. But then I think sometimes I'll lean too far into that where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do calls. I don't want to do that. Like this stuff that I don't like anymore. (laughs) And then I sit there and I watch like America's Got Talent. And I look at these people getting up there, practicing physically to do their dance routines and their aerialist in the sky and their singing performances, let alone stars who go on tour. And every single night they're doing three hours of like hard physical conditioning. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't get on a call. Yeah, I can get on a freaking call. The peace of mind around going hard, resilience, grit, doing the dang thing, and then finding your space within that to protect yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's been something that's been really important to me to make sure that I find a balancing point of digging in and doing the work. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it has been programmed into our minds i think of like painting the picture that entrepreneurship is this like little peaceful journey and all money and happiness and rainbows and it's funny because like when we see that's what we see on social media or what have you but then everybody else or you and me or whoever else is just like in sweatpants and you know working at 8 p.m just grinding in order to make shit happen and ultimately i feel like that is the consistent work especially when you're like starting a business that's just what it takes <laughs> yeah so true and there is there there are very few careers like this that require mm-hmm. you to be so autonomous and have such self-mastery and that takes work. So it just is what it is. But but yeah, simply put, like if I had to say, what's been like the factor of your success, there's, you know, beautiful stories about amazing people and opportunities or right place, right time, fate, kismet, but it's just, if I had to talk about self and what I've been able to do, it's the just dig in of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would have to agree. I mean, that's, those are like key components in getting to where you want to go. So what is the biggest learning lesson that you have experienced since starting your business? And I'm sure there's been a lot, but. Yeah, I would say a zillion. And it's even like <laughs> hard to pinpoint because you're a total, when you start a business and you stick with it, you're a different person than before, mm-hmm. like completely and fully, not just uh, what you understand and, and your skill set and all that, but emotionally, spiritually, physically, <laughs> everything, everything is different. But um, I would say that. Personally, and I would venture to guess that a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this are are similar, that a lot of previous success and or confidence and or trust in myself came from proving myself right. Being, you know, let's just go back Mm -hmm. to school, being in school and saying, you know what, I'm going to study, doing the studying, doing a great job on the test, being in the corporate world. I'm going to dig in and do a great job at this project and do it. And so you build this pile of I can get me through it. And then when you Mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship are on an island and you quote unquote, let yourself down because something doesn't go as planned, you launch and it's crickets, or you post a piece of content, nobody responds, you get on a sales call and they say no, and you don't know why. And there's that rejection or that failure and some of it more public than others. It chips away at that self-confidence that you've built a huge amount of time resurrecting. And with that, it causes the, and I had to figure this out. It causes the like, um, 
tendency to want to recluse because I did um, mm-hmm. build my life on, I can, if I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And then when I didn't do it, it's like, I have nobody to pull me out of this except for me, but now I don't trust me anymore. And that mm-hmm. has, I've seen in my own uh, tendencies, just like what my vices would be like overeating and Netflix binging or in the business, not wanting to get on social media or not wanting to host any workshops or teach big live things or take on clients. And it, it hurts your, um, your confidence and your ability to think, you know, in a self-assured way, like, oh, I got this, or I can transform someone's life. Because when you're mm-hmm. in an experience or expertise-based industry like us, so much of it is based off of your deep rooted unshakable confidence that you can facilitate what you're saying and selling that you will. Yep. So with that, I would say just a huge learning lesson is getting the tools, getting the people, getting the resources, getting the therapy to pull yourself out of things that you never had to deal with before because it wasn't as uh, glaring as it is when you're on this mm-hmm. entrepreneurial island. Yeah, that's huge because I feel like entrepreneurship it just as it is, it it um like shines a spotlight on all of your weak points. Like mm-hmm. you are like, oh my gosh, I was never made aware that I had this issue like internally from my childhood that's now coming out and like hurting my team or hurting you know my my own self because I'm not staying consistent because I don't believe in myself or within your sales process even like you were saying when your confidence gets hit like it's hard to then show up on Instagram stories or just in on Instagram in general and try and sell something when you're like, does this really work? (laughs) Like it's crazy. So we have talked about your hustle and your grind. So what does a typical day in your life look like? Um, well, Let's see. Uh, My cognitive energy is highest in the morning. And so I'm not saying I recommend this for everybody. This is not like my pro tip for your morning (laughs) routine, but I do wake up, get a cup of coffee. And then I do start working like at 6.30 AM when I wake up because I like to do my day front loaded, like an inverted Mm -hmm. pyramid all at the top and then be done with work by like three or 4 PM. So I will put that disclaimer out there. I'll work from like 6.30 to 8-ish and the classes that I like at the gym are usually at 8.15. So that's when I'll go do that, come back, get ready. We also, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but we own a coffee shop as well and our offices are there. So we come back, we get ready, and then we go down to the coffee shop office. I get my cup of coffee. I work at the bar. I go upstairs to get my second screen. I work in my office, depending on if I have calls or what have you, but that's my day is like at the office or at the coffee shop, just putting in the computer work. And then we're done and we leave around three, three thirty or four head home. And it is, um, dinner pretty early it's cleaning, it's dogs, it's like a little bit more movement. And then it's my nighttime routine and then to bed. And it's pretty (laughs) consistent like that. And a lot of entrepreneurs are excited about like the laptop lifestyle and the freedom that they get. And I love that because of, you know, my ability to work on what I want to work on based off of my energy that week or that month. But personally, I am a person who likes routine. So that is pretty much what it is all of the time. I like my days consistent. I will eat the same every thing every day if I can type person. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm the same way. Like I love to be on the go. I love to travel, but at the end of the day, the routine is how you stay consistent. Like having the same thing every day. You're like, "Okay, this is what I've got on the docket." So, I like that. 
Okay, I'm so fascinated by this and it's something that I am planning to do um, with my own business. So how has it been to hire Ryan, your husband, and operate as a dynamic duo? Yeah, it's been good. We um, He has a career in, formerly had a career in construction doing project management. So high level on, we live in Las Vegas, so on the Las Vegas Strip, he would take casinos who were building massive like acres worth of pool decks and project manage out this entire thing in between the casino and the contractors and the blah, blah, blah. So his level of detail and project management is obviously a massive asset. But the first thing I wanted to do, like I could see that his skill set was going to be an incredible fit. And I am the tiniest of small fry in comparison to him working with casinos <laughs> on the strip. But I wanted to make sure that there was a like true need for the role. And we would go mm-hmm. on like morning walks on weekends and be like, okay, where do you fit in? Where do you fit in? Where do you fit in? Because we were constantly trying to make sure that it made sense for him to leave. And it actually never really fully did. We had to just do it and make the jump and then figure it out once we were in it as he got into mm-hmm. like a whole new company, essentially in a whole new process. So from, from that perspective, that's what I hear a lot of times when somebody's looking to bring their partner into the business, they're like, how did you, like, what, what was the job description? And I'm like, actually, that was super important to me. And it ended up being nothing. And it got built over time as we figured out where he could fit in, especially if you mm-hmm. are somebody in an expertise-based business where you are the expertise and they can't necessarily come in and be that second with you. They have to fill into Mm -hmm. some sort of a role. So you you figure that out as you go. This online space, our um, clientele is female heavy. And he came from a very male dominated Mm -hmm. industry of construction. And there is a much um, blunter Mm -hmm. way of speaking to one another than we do in our female space. And he was never being rude of course, he was just being direct. <laughs> and there have been about three yep. to five different where he had to write an email because a contractor <laughs> missed their deadline or somebody was hemming and hawing about a plan that was already put together. And it was like, no, you need to just cut out the noise and do the work type thing. And he, in saying those things, has gotten quite um, colorful emails in response. So we had to kind of put more on the back burner. <laughs> but it's funny because he's just like the sweetest, most supportive person ever who like you are really close yeah. with Kels and he like adores you and watches your stories and is like, go girl. And for some reason, him just saying like, hey, we missed your deadline. What's the plan? Created a response that said, I am a CEO, not just a service provider. And you need to understand what I'm dealing with. Da, da, da. And it's like, no, you missed your deadline. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Johnny is the same way when I tell him about things that I'm dealing with and he's like, well, that's not your fault. (laughs) Don't take that on as your, your own problem. Like that's their fault. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but it's not, it's not as easy as that. (laughs) So true. I know it's like that you don't know how women Uh, think and women know how other women think. And there is so much subtext that we have in messages. So if you write it without thinking about the thinking, they're going to think that you were thinking that they were thinking that you were thinking. So you have to write it well. <laughs> so, <Yeah. much. laughs> so, so true. You have, as we kind of mentioned before, shifted from like done with you, done for you at the very beginning to operating the social bungalow from a much more like passive perspective for lack of better terminology um and as you said trading less time for dollars time less less time 
more dollars. That's the key. That's the ticket. Um, <laughs> so how did you go about making this pivot? Hmm. Slowly over time, it's been four or five years, but um, I would say for me, what it was, was um, a couple of years worth of putting my knowledge into the passive container. So putting my knowledge into a course, putting my knowledge from calls, you know, repackaging those into something that you could buy and self-study or DIY, things like that, and building a reputation over the span of those couple of years of um, sometimes courses, for example, can get a bad rep where people mm -hmm. say like, oh, it's not as good as the done with you and done for you. And that can be true to a point, depending on the topic and your need, but showing that the courses are power packed and incredible and get you these results and being extremely intentional with every release of every bit of, of that education. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, two years to get to passive, I don't want that. I encourage you that if you wanted to start to transition your expertise into more of a DIY offer to make a big splash of it because you'll get a cash infusion from it and it'll feel well worth it as you make this journey. So mm -hmm. really ramping up, teasing, exciting people and then like open card amazingness for this new course that I have, get everybody in there and then focus on that facilitation, maybe make a pop-up group just for this first launch or what have you so that you can really be in the thick with that um, sect of students and mm -hmm. be able to get them incredible, incredible results, maybe do a refinement of the offer, get it perfected, and then, you know, build an evergreen funnel, launch it again, whatever it is you want to do. You just have that stake in the ground now. Great. Move on to the next one, move on to the next one, or whatever that's going to look like for your offer suite. And you can get paid to build, paid to figure it out, paid to go passive, and then set up this new reputation at the same time as you go. So I would say it was just kind of this slow roll of the launching and the releasing and the refining as we went. Um, and then a full proper transition out of doing a ton of strategy sessions, a ton of one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one work was kind of just declaring that I was going to do it and that there was going to be a new offer, but it was going to be more group style. And this is the new way. So heads up, I'm transitioning mm -hmm. out of this. I'm going into that book a session now because it's going away. So that's a nice, like going out of business for lack of a better term sale. <laughs> yeah. And then you go into this new way of business and you're like, all right, here's the new way. And it's back and better than ever because I thought through all of these things to best take care of you guys. And I have the passive style if you want to get that. Because what I was experiencing was that somebody would say, because they don't know my offer suite as well as I know it, of course. Hey, I just mm -hmm. want your brain on, let's just use launching, for example. I want your brain on my launch. I want your brain on launching. I want to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. So I would sit down and I would make them a launch plan. And then I would have to explain to them why all of these nuanced little bits of strategy made sense so that they could go and execute on it, which was fine. But I was repeating myself every single solitary time. I was making similar plans because they have to follow a similar framework. And I'm like, I am not even doing you a service just by quote unquote customizing this where you mm -hmm. could take the program that has 40 hours of my brain on launching with a bunch of different plans and all the done for you resources and then once you do that if you wanted to come up to a session at that point to refine it'd be a much better use of all of our time and your results mm -hmm. than kind of bastardizing and trying to like trim out all the things I have to say about launching to try to get you to succeed so right. doing thinking about it or adopting the mindset of I will do a, a better service to my clients when I can put all of me into something that makes more sense than me putting all of me into three hours on a, a Zoom call type thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense in doing that. Um, so you in creating the sophisticated CEO suite, which is your new way to work with you. Um, 
you really pulled back and to focus on the refinement of your offers, which were already good to start out with, but you did this for like a six month ish period of time. How did you prepare for that and like not really forward facing selling um, in, yeah, financially, how did you prepare for that? Yeah, that so the timetable just for everybody's knowledge was January to June, Um, June 1st through 8th is when we launched it and got that cash infusion. So I had to plan for the whole first six months of 2022 to be dry, essentially. Um, What I did was a Black Friday sale the year prior. So we had that Q4 money. Um, And then I did a January pop up sale for a um, what was it? It was just like a one week sprint program that brought in money. And then in addition to all of that, I had my evergreen funnel running that was regularly selling the courses. So I did two planned infusions, November and January, and then that plus ongoing monthly reoccurring revenue through the process of evergreen funnel was it, we were not rolling in it and like making big investments, but we were definitely, you know, money in the bank, profit, payroll expenses, all good to go, easy breezy so that we could just focus on rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So when you pivoted from really not really offering much one-on-one capacity anymore, did you experience any guilt? Because as I kind of like pull back from like helping my clients one-on-one, I feel like this is, they came to the business because of me and now my team is going and executing them. And so I have like control and also guilt around um, like stepping back so that I can truly step into like full CEO mode. So how did that go? Yeah, totally. (laughs) All of that. (laughs) Um, I, it's kind of a me thing. And I've just had to realize that, that the result or the feedback that they're getting is just as good as if I said it, I might've just said it in three different synonyms than they said it, the team member who's Mm -hmm. facilitating and trying to separate yourself and it's just like a mind game really and it's it's a muscle that you mm-hmm. flex and it, it's of course like trusting your gut and your knowledge of okay no this truly wasn't good enough and i'm always overseeing everything and so let's do a little more training let me show you what i would have said da, 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 da. but sometimes i'll stare at for example um student feedback on their sales page mm-hmm. and i'll stare at what my team member put together because i always review everything before it goes out And I'm like, do I actually not agree? Or is this actually not good enough? Or, because typically it is, and I do agree, would I have just said it a little bit different? And that's really what it is usually. But I think it's so much more strategic and high level. (laughs) I'm like, they pay for more and I'm the best. And then I'll sit there with a, you know, if I've got a cup of coffee in hand and so I'm firing off and I'll I'll write my feedback and then I'll put them side by side and be like, all I did was pull out this thesaurus. This is the exact same thing. Just in a different (laughs) their way of saying it might be more understandable to the student. So who am I to yeah. think that mine's always going to be better? So it's finding this balance between, no, this truly does need some refinement. I think we can take it up a notch because our team members are also humans. And sometimes like they're on their period. Sometimes they're tired. Sometimes something happened in their personal mm-hmm. life. And we had an element of something getting mailed in to a point. And other times it's, no, this was incredible. And I need to trust myself, trust my process, trust the people that I hired and trained in their skill set. And like, hey, sarah, sarah. Yeah, absolutely. In regards to your team members, 
How many are you currently overseeing as far as team versus contractors? And yeah, I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> so we have Ryan and I, CEO and COO, and then we oversee three departments. We over, well, in general, the business has three departments. There is the marketing side, there is the operation side, and then there is the fulfillment side is how we have it split up. On the fulfillment mm -hmm. side, we have a, one main full-time team member. Um, they are in 2023 going to be overseeing a secondary doer, but right now they're the solo person. So it's me and that team member over top of fulfillment. And then it's going to be me, that person, and then a doer. So I'll get further and further removed on that mm -hmm. side. We have, um, a project manager full-time who is the great kind of, um, unifier between marketing and fulfillment to make sure everything gets done. And then they are over top of a virtual assistant, but it's a full-time individual who's an employee. And then on the marketing side, we are currently hiring for what we've been turned onto the term rainmaker, which is essentially a head of marketing. So we're currently going mm -hmm. through interviews for that. Somebody who can essentially replace me in that role. Um, mm -hmm. So I can oversee it, I can be the face of it, I can be in the reels, I can be in the workshops, but not be the one making all of the plans. And then yeah. we have, we just hired a full-time copywriter and then we have a marketing doer on that side. So the marketing person, the marketing department is the most robust. Um, and that marketing person is over top of copywriter and doer, doer doing Canva graphics, newsletters, all of that good stuff, marketing, uh, rainmaker doing the big holistic plan. And then that all filtering through me as well. Um, simultaneously, we're introducing sales calls for sophisticated CEO suite, which Ryan is actually going to be taking. So in addition cool. to his operations, sales calls, um, which speaks to his skill set. and what else? Oh, contractors. So we have an ads person slash funnel automations tech person. We have a design studio that we work with for the website landing pages and fresh graphics. Um, and now that we have a copywriter in-house, that's kind of it, except for pop-up stuff. Like if we were to need to do a really cool promo video and we need a video videographer to do editing or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and, or like we worked with a curriculum expert this year in overhauling all the curriculum, but that was for a pop-up project. So we do set aside a budget for miscellaneous investment, including mentorship and what have you. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, that is my current team, which if you're listening to this, that is a fairly bloated team. I encourage you to stay as lean as possible. It is exclusively because of our goals and where we plan on going in the next three years that I am hiring so robustly right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I am intrigued. Uh, where are you hiring your people from? Like, where are you um, posting your jobs? Yeah, I have actually not needed to post a job. It's all come from the community. And interestingly enough, what you will find is that people are exhausted by entrepreneurship and they trust me and like me and they've, you know, gone through my programs and they're like, it's, it's been good. And I totally stand by your mm -hmm. methodology. I've implemented it. I've seen results, but I am not cut out for this. I want to go back to being an employee. I am so tired. <laughs> and um, so I'll just put out things in my newsletters, put out things on social, and then people will come through and they have this little secret shame around it. And I just encourage them like, Hey, there's no shame. Like this is an insane industry to be in and you mm -hmm. get the industry and now you get to come in because I serve people just like you and I, who are entrepreneurs, we're entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs. So you're uniquely qualified to help fulfill the package for these entrepreneurs, sending in their sales pages, sending in their launch plans, all that good stuff. Um, the copywriter, I reached out to my copywriter that I was hiring and said, do you know anybody? And they were like, I, I want to. So it's just been this consistent, consistent oh, that's situation. Awesome. 
yeah, I don't want to run my own business anymore. I'd love to come and work in your business. Um, but with the rainmaker that we're currently hiring for at the moment, we actually got connected with a gal who um, is the person that we got the term rainmaker from for head of marketing who has a program that helps visionaries and their head of marketing go through it together to understand how to work best together. Because oftentimes mm -hmm. the visionary like ourselves is or has been the main marketer the entire time. And then trying to get in the yeah. right seats for each other is a stretchy process. So through getting turned on to her ethos in the online space, she hosted a job fair to help visionaries find rainmakers. And I wrote to her with my interest and she sent me some people who are candidates that she feels would be a good fit for me. Oh, so that's so cool. Yeah. Interview process with them. So again, another person in the online space and I have not needed to post a job yet. Oh, that's, that's nice. I, I like completely forget to like post it on my Instagram and I just go straight to LinkedIn and all the people, you will not believe this all. Okay. So I posted a job and in like the very end of the job description, I said, if you want this job, you need to email me your cover letter and your resume to my email and address it. I want the job out of like the 20 plus or more people that applied, like three or four of them emailed me. So like more than half of them didn't even read the full job description. I'm like, I've had it. <laughs> no, I know it is so painful right now with some of those job boards because you want to put in little like checkpoints or assessment points, but because of the ease of how the websites like LinkedIn in particular are set up, mm -hmm. it's just so easy to do like one click applies and yes. not actually take, you know, the time to read through it. But then that's very revealing for you. It's like, all right, A, attention to detail and B, your level of care yeah. and interest right now is not at a point where I would like to see it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you're not going to treat my business like your own. So next, please. <laughs> so what are the some of the essential systems that you have in place for your team and making sure that it's running efficiently while ma the majority of your people are remote? Yeah, we are in ClickUp um, and we actually just hired, um, so there's a contractor, I forgot to mention, we actually just hired a systems agency who came in or we're still in the thick of it right now. We're on like phase three or four. They come in and they they get to know everything about your business. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And like every little step and process that you follow to build out your SOPs, build out your reoccurring tasks. So we do everything within ClickUp and it's all set up to auto detonate those reoccurring pieces. And some of the tasks are set up with dependencies. So once this mm -hmm. is done, team member A, the task already automatically knows to unlock or trigger the task for team member B because the baton's being passed type thing. So we're able to just log into ClickUp, look at our notifications portal and know everything we're supposed to be working on on that day. And it's for yeah. both reoccurring the business going, you know, content and, and operations and all those good, great things and um, client fulfillment, all that. But then additionally with our big projects, because we have a project manager, they're going in there mm -hmm. and their project out the entire phased approach and the tasks within it for each team member. So I'll come in and come into ClickUp on any given day and have my notifications say like, here are five reoccurring regular things that you need to do. And here are five mm -hmm. um, things for this very specific project we're working on right now. And I don't need to think about it. Um, the That's only nice. thing that I do think about, yes, or that I do amend is I'll have it set up to where like on a Tuesday, it's okay, today's the writing day, you're going to sit down and write everything. And that is not the brain I have that day. So I'll mm -hmm. delay something and change it, all of that good stuff, which I love having that liberty. Um, yep. But yes, 
it is a it's project management software heavy. Um, do you? I was listening to a podcast the other day that I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Um, for your ClickUp, do you have only your project manager in there, like assigning tasks, creating tasks, and then everyone else is like doing the tasks and like not creating any more? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It- Sort of and mostly, um, mm-hmm. but because there are department heads, they mm-hmm. also, and those department heads have people beneath them. There's also mm-hmm. a level of being able to do their own thing. Like, hey, we've realized from an excellence perspective, we need to do A, B, and C, so we're going to build this out. And we do kind of just in open communication constantly figure out who does what, because a lot of times, um, like for me, if I'm doing something on the marketing side, for me to go to the project manager and say like, okay, I'm going to take time to get everything for my brain on this project out into you so that you can project manage it, manage it versus me just making my own list and maybe handing it to you to set up the tasks mm-hmm. or me making the list straight into click up. It doesn't always make as much sense. So it's kind of a case by case basis with adopting the mindset or looking through the lens of how would this be the fastest, most optimized, leanest route to get this going. And yeah understanding that if it should not be a situation of like, oh, I'll just do it myself, which is just so easy mm-hmm. for us to do as owners. <laughs> yeah. So I would say it's a little bit of a next pop, but mostly the project manager owns it. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's what they were recommending. And I've been doing a ClickUp audit because we were having just, it was just getting messy. It can get messy really quick if you're not managing it yeah. the right way. <laughs> um, so I will awesome. say though, okay. You- that could be helpful that we do is the project manager will regularly interrogate the process of different departments. Mm -hmm. So, and then we'll just put something on the list for that week. Like, Hey, I want you to look at our content process this week. I want you to go kind of shadowing the marketing doer and seeing step-by-step by step step, is the process that we set up, let's say two months ago, still working. Is it still lean? Is it still making sense? Is there something that they're doing with an extra step that we don't need to do? Somebody else could do, or we could find a solution Mm -hmm. for versus a human capital solution. And, or is there something that they're deviating out of ClickUp and they're going over to Google Drive because they feel like they can't creatively flow in ClickUp. All right, how could we create something like that in ClickUp to keep everything in that one safe space? So there's this um, KPI for them that says, what did you clean up this week? What did you interrogate? Where did we find opportunities to optimize it? And then we do one-on-ones with Ryan and I and each team member or each department Mm -hmm. head. And in that conversation, it's what are you interrogating next month? Where did you clean up this month? Just constantly asking that question because even though they're not the marketer, they're the person who should see the systematization of the marketing and keep every employee working in such a streamlined, clean way so that there isn't muck Mm -hmm. that builds up because it's so easy. It's so fast for that to happen. Yeah. Okay. So what is your, um, what is your systems and operations course that people should dive into if this is ringing a bell for them? It's called Business Expansion Blueprint. Thank you for asking. Um, and that takes mm-hmm. you through a few different things, not just systems. It's through your offer design. <clears throat> it starts by talking about a lean versus a heavy business, what that means, how to think about it, and what you want to plan for as if you were to seek a future valuation. If you were to say, hi, bank, I'm looking for a seller's discretionary earnings opportunity, i.e. how much is my business worth? Um, Based off of, it'll tell you like the 10 factors that would be looked at. And not because you ever plan on doing that or seeking venture capital money, but because if you do that now, it's going to truly just build you the healthiest, leanest business. So we go through that whole process and then into your offer design 
um, into your selling pathways and gear plan. And when we really understand our business model of what we're selling, it's now how are we going to make it happen operationally? So we go into systems and then hiring in that as well. So I'll take you through the entire ClickUp process, but also designing different departments, all the different systems that happen in and out of a project management software, and then org charts to meet that big vision, hiring, job description scripts, interview scripts, assessment scripts, firing scripts, et cetera. <laughs> Basically everything you need to run your business. Yes. <laughs> all in one. I love it. Um, okay, cool. So you are like the queen of content and you are always pumping out high quality content that I have <laughs> heard people are like blown away, me um, and other people. So do you plan out your content in advance? I'm curious to know from social media manager perspective, like how far are you planning this out in advance? we plan a quarterly campaign so like this mm -hmm. is the main north star this is our mission this is our goal this is what we're selling this is where we want to lead people etc sometimes that's a launch that we're ramping up for so there's a very specific topic we're adopting for that campaign and sometimes it's just the evergreen funnel that sells all the courses so there's a smackling of topics more so rooted in our mm -hmm. content pillars that we'll focus on but the goal there is to get everybody to the detonation point of the evergreen funnel which is an opt-in for a freebie so mm -hmm. how can we without being like the boy who cried wolf i.e the girl who cried grab my free resource how can we make that happen in a super interesting way regularly through our content and and support and give value but guide them towards get the free resource mm -hmm. um so that campaign narrative adopted and then kind of a focus per month of that quarter so month one we're really going to lean into pillar number one which is all about a b and c month two, month three. And with that, then we'll plan the detailed week by week, day by day cadence of what we're posting, written out, the reels filmed, the graphics made in a month by month by month. Um, but it is done each month, the month in advance. And then mm -hmm. that following, so while we're posting, we're working on the next month, but we already know what we should be designing because it's rooted in the quarterly campaign focus. Right. Okay. I guess you already kind of explained this, but how long does it take you to map out that quarterly content plan? And then like in, in the month, like how long does it take you to map out that future month? The quarterly plan, I'd say it's probably half day to full day done over a couple of days, like a two hour chunk here, a three hour chunk there, just to get kind of into a flow state for it. And then mm -hmm. the monthly content creation is not me. Um, but if I had to add up all the time dedicated to it, I would say it's probably 10 hours dedicated mm -hmm. to creating all of it. Mm -hmm. So you've been doing a lot of reels without your face in them. And I'm curious to hear because a lot of our clients are not currently posting a lot of reels and their static content is not performing as well as it used to because they want people to post reels. So how are you seeing your performance with the reels that don't have your face in them versus ones that do? Curious to hear. Yeah, we, um, as people who are essentially marketers, we're regularly testing things out and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't like we always tell our audience hey you want to have like a big challenge before you open cart 
the week prior. And then I was like, you know what? I want to test doing the challenge the same week as open cart so that on any given day, you can kind of control the narrative of exciting them and selling to them versus making mm-hmm. them wait. It didn't work. So mm-hmm. there's instances where we test something out. We're like, not great. This one that we, we are like, it's funny that you notice this because we're actively testing out what happens when I'm not on the platform as much in my real time face. There's still photos of me and all that good stuff, but what happens? Um, it actually has been good results as far as growing the following and getting just like new people in the ozone, them consuming the content, them sending DMs, them interacting on the posts, but it's been surface level. Mm -hmm. So because of the way that the algorithm is working right now, where it is just so intense with how much other people are in your feed that you don't follow, we are getting served because our content is more shareable and it's less like deep value straight from my face people don't love to share content that is exclusively somebody else's face unless it's funny or it's just like mind-blowing and you have to hear this person <laughs> yeah if it's a quote if it's something beautiful that'll that's easy easier to get more shares for more people mm-hmm. so we were like let's just see what happens and it has through this process gotten more shares it's gotten more follows but it's gotten more superficial interactions it hasn't gotten people sliding into the dm saying like i just heard you on that you know 60 second reel where you shared your philosophy on a b and c and i want to work with you it's mm-hmm. i followed you because you have pretty interesting content and i'm also an entrepreneur so if you want to grow your following if you're if you're in a season of reach I think it works really well to bring in new people. And then if you go into a season of relationship building and converting, i.e. revenue, shifting at that point into putting yourself out there more, flexing your expertise from the horse's mouth on reels, Mm -hmm. on stories. And I don't think it's a bad cadence to follow so that you're not constantly out there. You're able to kind of go through seasons to where it's, I got the people in. All right, now let me introduce myself and convert them on again, off again. So we're Mm -hmm. trying that right now. Yeah, it is a lot of output, especially if you're having to be the face in all of the reels. Like that's so, it's just so much content to create. Like, so I love that approach of just creating videos that don't necessarily have faces in them outside of images. <laughs> okay, so you produce a lot of content um, and constantly putting stuff out there. How much are of it are you creating versus how much of it are your team creating? In this test that we've been doing that we've been talking about, it's been going on for about two months now. I get, This is the first time in the business that I gave over the reins. And I said, because typically I'm if I'm not writing it, creating it, producing it, coming up with the idea, the entire thing, and then me being 80% and my team member being 20%, like, okay, go make a graphic and then I'll see. Or, okay, can you take my notes and finesse it into a prettier caption? But here's my expertise. Mm-hmm. That's typically how it's gone for the past four plus years. I flipped it and was like, you do 80% of it. I'll come in for 20%. And that worked well, but Mm -hmm. I found myself, like we talked about earlier, just regularly rewriting everything. And I was like, I almost want to just challenge myself to see if I could be a CEO and not just a content creator and (laughs) a team member that I hired and who has been with me for multiple years own this ability. So I gave over the reins two months ago and I was like, let's just try something. I trust you. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it. I want you to post for this week and let's see how it goes. And it Mm -hmm. went well. We did it another week and another week and another week. And she's been in this autonomous role of owning it. And I almost like look with my my hand in front of my face, like squinting one eye through my fingers because it's (laughs) not exactly what I would say, how I would want to say it or as deep as I would want it to be. Yeah. Uh, That's been okay with me right now for these couple of months because I've had some big projects going on. And I also really wanted to test it out truly and test myself and just see how it could go. Mm -hmm. Um, So to answer your question, 
normally I'm much more involved. The past couple of months, you're catching me at a time where I'm trying for the first time ever something out and it's going well. So <laughs> yeah, I would say it's going well from, you know, a viewership perspective, but I can't imagine how hard that is to pass over the reins to your baby and your child. <laughs> Okay, so what does the internal process for your content creation look like as far as um, like the reels and the graphics that you're putting together? Um, how are you guys doing this? We do it. So ClickUp, again, we have ClickUp has doc view and then it has a list view, which is where you'll see the tasks. So mm -hmm. we'll pin a doc to a new list. The list is titled that month's content. Um, so it'll be like quarter three content as the actual space. And then you'll have what's quarter three, J July, August, September. So you'll have boom, boom, and boom, those months in there. And um, in August, then you click into that specific space, pin to the top of the doc for a big brain dump of ideas, things mm -hmm. that have all these different buckets, things that our clients have been asking us, things that are trending, things from the programs, things that point towards the evergreen funnel, all of this stuff. And then we take it and match it up with a medium. Is this something that could be written about? Is it something that needs to be in video form? Is it Instagram? Is it more so for email? Is it more so for a blog? Just the different platforms we are on. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we have that all stacked up, if we have enough topics to match the cadence that we regularly follow, which is a post every day, Monday through Friday, if it's not, then we'll keep adding ideas. Then it goes from the brain dump doc onto list style to where the task becomes the content topic for that day. So the task is Monday, August 1st. The topic is X, Y, and Z. You click into the task. There's the caption. There's the image attached. There's any back and forth notes between myself and the team member to give critique. Um, there's the hashtags we're thinking. There's like the time we're going to post if we're going to um, change something up. And then once it's completely approved and good to go, there's like a final holy grail approval check mark that mm -hmm. effect and then it gets scheduled out. Cool. That is awesome. What is your best tip for creating great content that attracts a brand's ideal client? So as far as emotion-based content, which is really what you're doing with somebody that you're selling your expertise to, you're facilitating results or transformation, be that a service that you're facilitating and it's getting them a result or you're coaching and consulting and something is coming about transformational, et cetera. In that, you have two options. The person is either in active pain or they're in unfulfilled desire. And a lot of times I see people teach on how to kind of prod the pain, like problem agitate solution, PAS, common copywriting, go-to formula. It doesn't totally work when you are someone who serves an unfulfilled desire. So active pain is my business is bleeding money and I'm going to close up shop in two months. If I don't make money right this second, help me. Unfulfilled desire is I'm regularly making money. I've got, you know, 7,000 monthly recurring revenue, but I'd like to scale to 20,000. Will I go out of business if I don't? No, but it's an unfulfilled desire of mine. That is more of an emotional conversation. That is where you need to show that you're different and you're superior in your process a lot of times people just try to twist the knife on active pain or they get um, shy when it comes to talking about why they're superior. And to that, I say, don't make it all about you and your existence. Make it about your unique process, which I call your unique mechanism. So every single thing that you do in your offer has a process, whether you realize it or not, or whether it's sexy or not, even if you're, you know, call it a web designer and you sit down and you're like, I don't know, I get an intake form. We do a Pinterest board. I design, they give me revisions. I edit final draft. Is that a unique mechanism? Yes. 
you have a step-by-step -step process that you follow. It might be the same as the designer sitting next to you, but because you claimed and named your process, it stands out and it is different, different gets attention. And then all you have to, to do is be honest, but attach some superior words to it. So is your process the most effective? Is it mm -hmm. the fastest to get results? Is it the most ease filled? Attach your superiority. So when you come at an unfulfilled desire and you say, hey, you're seeking something that you could wait on, or we could channel this want and turn it into a need by me showing you that my unique mechanism is different and superior. And this is finally the thing that's going to excavate the root cause of why you haven't been able to get that solution. Everybody else has just been swinging at the branches or the symptoms, but I'm gonna come in and change the game for you. When you adopt that mindset, it's not something that you're going to spiel on in every single post. You only have 2,200 characters, but you're <laughs> able to like use it as your North Star and say, the unfulfilled desire for my main prospect is this. I facilitate them achieving it through my unique mechanism, which is different in this way and superior in this way. I can explain to them or show to them what's possible through a post about this and then a post about that and then a post about this and a post about that. And while you nobody's reading it in order and realizing that this ends up being one journey that you take them on, the ability to just mm -hmm. regularly poke at, we can do it, we can do more and I can be the one to help you with it is something that I think is the root or the base foundation of how you should create content versus what can I educate them on today that's going to make me stand out. You're going to fizzle out mm -hmm. if you try to do it in that way. Yeah, that's what I have um, for me, at least. I used to, I feel like, just focus on education and I love educating, but at the end of the day, education is not what is going to sell what you have to offer. And so at some point, like you've got to talk about you and how you can serve them through, I feel like educating, you know, in the mix of it. And then especially because you don't want to be just hard pitching every single time you're posting content. But like, if you're able to kind of talk about their unfulfilled desire, is that what you called it? Um, their mm -hmm. unfulfilled desire and, you know, educate, give them a, a little value nugget and then tie it in at the end with a call to action to work with you or to download the freebie or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do. I feel like that is a really powerful way to convert your followers. Absolutely. When someone feels like you understand their problem to the point of being a mind reader, like, oh my gosh, I feel like you just read my diary. It doesn't really matter what container the solution comes in. And sometimes what the price point is or how much access they do or don't get to you. It just matters that you get them and now they trust you mm -hmm. and they give you authority and now they want to know how to work together because you're going to help them get the unfulfilled desire. A lot of times people, and it's important of course, but they'll hem and they'll haw about what exact container does their offer go into or their expertise? What container? Is it a course? Is it a course plus a, a call? What, 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 what's going to help them? And it's the equivalent of somebody walking through the Sahara desert being at the brink of death because they are so starved <laughs> and they are so thirsty. And then they find you across the way and they come running over and you've got a glass of water and they need to chug that water down. And you're like, wait, I don't know if I should put this in a tall, narrow glass or a short, <laughs> wide glass. Let me go think about this for a while before I give you the water. Yeah. And so when you <laughs> from that space in your content and you pepper in the education, because that flexes your expertise and it shows the proof that you know what you're talking about. It's not just all hyperbole and puffery and whatnot. Yeah. You're able to have somebody say, holy smokes, they get me. And they're the one that's going to drive the vehicle towards that unfulfilled desire. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, before we hop off, we have not even talked about the coffee shop and we have to. I would be um, remiss not to because it's so incredible and I wish that I had one here in Boise. Um, So if you're looking for a second location, I'm the one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just am fascinated because CEO and coffee shop owner, CEO of that as well, uh, how the heck you do it all. So when you and Ryan first started discussing opening up Bungalow Coffee, what did you do from having it be concept to full on storefront? We, um, so there's a couple of options when you want to go brick and mortar, you can either um, do an asset sale or you can purchase everything from scratch. And we had an opportunity because we were just um, got onto some email lists, got in with some financial advisors. So we had stuff coming to us about businesses for sale, spaces for sale, et cetera. So we weren't sure if we were going to do an asset sale of a coffee shop going out of business, or if we were going to buy our espresso machines and everything from scratch. We weren't sure if we were going to assume a lease or we were going to try and buy a building. So there's these different options and it depends on how fast you want to move, how perfect the space is and all these different considerations. Um, But we ended up having a great opportunity to do an asset sale. So there was a coffee shop going out of business we first negotiated with them to assume those assets and we wanted to assume those assets in that space physically but then there's mm-hmm. another person to speak to the building owner for your lease and they could choose to not approve you so you could end up at this point where you have all the stuff and no home for it and then <laughs> you have to go find a lease somewhere and then all your stuff into it so it's a bit of a dance and a negotiation that happens but yeah place going out of business we were really fortunate to find a place that was a specialty coffee shop and that they didn't have too much wear and tear on their equipment because they'd only been open for about a year unfortunately COVID had taken them out um, so we were able to get that then speak to the building o- owner and essentially assume their lease it's a fresh lease that we signed um, you know out of the gate but just very mm-hmm. similar terms and go from there. So from the time of those negotiations to opening was about six months. That's so fast. (laughs) So crazy. Yeah. Well, so that's another thing is that like, I really recommend if you're doing something physical of that sort, like an asset sale is so incredible because you don't have shipping timetables. You don't have construction timetables. Like you have this stuff and now it's like, all right, I need the staff. I need my product. I need my training. And you're able to focus on that and Mm -hmm. the marketing for the ramp up versus you saying like, I need to, and, or be paying for a space. This entire, like, it's just so such a Tetris. It's like a Rubik's cube of timetables to get it all to kind of work together. And that's why a lot of times you need such a financial runway for something so physical versus something digital. Um, Mm -hmm. you're really fortunate in our timetables. What has been the biggest challenge since you guys opened up, um, the brick and mortar? Thankfully, things have gone well. There have been small things like um, the building that we're in, like this just popped into my head. I don't know if it's the biggest challenge, but the building that we are in was initially designed by the building owner. Um, He's an artist and he owns a lot in the downtown Las Vegas area. He's just this like renaissance man developer and made a lot of money selling a video game and then has just bought up property after property after property. And he wanted to build something for himself. And he wanted it to be this um, museum of art because we're in the arts district slash he loves Las Vegas. So it was like Vegas history. And um, anyways, it's this big, beautiful three-story <laughs> building, very hollow walls and not um, a food and beverage level of plumbing for what it is mm-hmm. that you need in specialty. 
coffee, which is pristine, pristine water. And then um, we yeah. also share the space with another food and beverage. So it's a really big building and there's another space over there that is a bar and restaurant. So what was supposed to be a museum with somebody going to the restroom like once an hour is now a <laughs> constant roll bar and coffee shop <laughs> building. So that has been fun to navigate, like essentially breaking into the walls to redo plumbing so that we can have this pristine RO system and everything of that sort. Mm -hmm. And there, it was just like a year's worth of like, every time we'd get something fixed, you turn a corner and there'd be something else with the plumbing, something else with the plumbing. Like I would get used to rolling into the parking lot and see the, the plumbing truck out there and be like, oh, of course. <laughs> Oh, but it all worked out and we're at a point where we've basically rebuilt the plumbing in this entire building. So the building owner is welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. What are some non-negotiables in your week that ensure that you're not burning the candlestick at both ends because you have two businesses? I would say good sleep. That always comes to mind because it is just the, I know we're all human beings. We all not like I'm saying anything revolutionary, but I swear to you, if it's just one hour off, if I don't like treat my sleep with the most extreme craziness, I, and I don't sleep well, I am just like not a human being. Also, I would say I eat really healthy and that's something that is a non-negotiable for me. So I don't do any sugar. I don't do any carbs. I don't do any dairy. I'm not carbs. I shouldn't say that. I don't do any grains. Um, I do quinoa. I do carbs from veggies, all that good stuff. But that has changed my gut health, which has changed my mental health. And that has mm -hmm. been an extreme opportunity for whatever, if it's serotonin or what uh, brain chemicals that have just made me feel happier and or more capable. And that yeah. things aren't as big of a deal or things aren't as stressful in the process. Um, yeah, sleep and a healthy diet. I mean, and tons of water and a workout, like just taking care of myself physically is me and who I need to be for the business. There's emotional stuff like taking care of our relationship and making sure that we're not just co-owners and we're also husband and wife. There's, you know, personal development and good books or like juicy podcasts, turning off time with my family, all of these things, but mm -hmm. they're, they're not every week. They're not consistent. Like if I had to put it down, it's all of that physical stuff for me. Mm -hmm. um, taking care of like the temple first in order to be anything else. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. That is for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So looking forward to the future, what are you working on now and what do you have coming up? Let's see. Um, right now, like, you know, we're in that hiring blitz and 2022 has kind of been the year of restructuring the business, sort of pulling the slingshot back in order to skyrocket forward. So I spent the first six months rebuilding everything and then launched this new exciting offer. I've been in um, fulfillment mode with that, which has been super rewarding with 160 incredible CEOs who are in that room. Um, but that's just been a constant thing. And then obviously, as we talked about, like the fulfillment of the package through that main team member and overviewing every single thing that's going out, what we're saying, how we're saying it to each person to help them in their business. So we are currently in a prep mode for a new evergreen funnel. We are in prep mode for Black Friday. And then just for 2023 and in general, like continuing to refine the offer, sending out surveys, finding little ways to con constantly optimize things. Yeah. So same old, same old, because this was the rebuild. And now it's like, let's just live finally in like this restructured yeah. business. 
Um, but it's always, there's always something new. Like you always think as a business owner, you're going to turn the corner and like at that price point, once that, or a revenue point at once that team members on, once that offers released once, 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 and it never, that's not the case. (laughs) You always big and different or it's great and you're innovating or it's great and you're refining and like, there's always stuff. There's always stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that is so exciting. Everybody, if you're listening, um, make sure to go check out Shannon's stuff because she has helped me um, figure out all of my business. So I owe a big thank you to her and thank you so much for coming on and just sharing about your story. I love like digging into that and uncovering little nuggets that people don't know about you and anybody else that comes on the show. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. This was super fun. And I really, this has probably been the first, I've done a zillion podcasts and this has probably been the first one where I'm just like conversating with a friend versus like being on, but that's because we're real (laughs) friends. So I'm sure that's why. Um, But there's been so many instances where like somebody asks me a question and I feel like I need to go into a full on training. And so I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm actually excited for this one because I feel like those listening, you've done such a good job of just making this like a flowing open narrative about CEO ship. And they're just, it's such an interesting, intricate journey that we're actually all on together, despite how alone we might feel. So if you if yeah. you do feel that way in any of the stuff we've shared today, like reach out to one of us, like Social Bungalow, We Are She Rose, because like we've been there, we're there, and there's so many <laughs> corners of this space where there's so much community and you're gonna find people that just like absolutely change your life for the better. Thank you so much for listening to the She Rose Show. For more value-packed and inspiring episodes like this one, make sure you're subscribed or following The She Rose Show on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are tuning in today. Make sure to check out the show description for links mentioned in today's show. And please leave us a review, give us some love on social, or share this episode with one of your business friends. We love getting to see what your favorite episodes are and hearing your thoughts and feedback. Also, you don't have to wait until next week to come hang out with us. Make sure to say hello on Instagram at WeAreSheRose. We will see you next week on The She Rose Show.